Amen. Amen. Happy anniversary, Harvest. You know, there are some moments you just want to, you just want to sit in. And it's okay to sit in those moments, right? We're here to make much of the name of Jesus Christ. We're here because he is worthy. Worthy is the lamb. Amen. And uh, praise God for, for over eight years of God's faithfulness and displaying his worthiness here at Harvest. And my name is Dan Hammer. I have the privilege of being the senior pastor here. And um, just... Uh, Thank you for joining us to celebrate, and it's a joy to see God moving and working afresh over this past year, over the last eight years, and whether this is your first time here, or you've been here many, many times, your family here, and I, for, for very new faces, and I would love to get to know some of you after the service, I see some folks I have never met before, and I see some folks that have been part of our church's history and lineage over the last eight years, and it just is a joy to see you, and uh, to love you, and to worship you, just know that you are loved, and you are family, and I thank God for for you. Praise God for how he's moving and how he's working. Amen. And uh, we're excited to see what God is doing. Our theme last year was build your church and Jesus has done that. And he has done that in many ways. And, and as I walked in this morning and just spent some time praying over the, the picture of walls of baptism that, that are in the foyer, we are here to fulfill the mission of God, the Great Commission, but the Great Commission has fulfilled one story, one name at a time. It's not about numbers, it's about names. And, the, and praise God that we all have a story um, for God's glory here. He's built his church in a variety of ways. Um, we saw it with new members. We're going to have three baptisms at the end of the service. Isn't that awesome? Praise God for that. Amen. That's awesome. And so Jesus is continuing to build his church. The new sermon series this year is going to, we're going to go through the gospel of John. It's going to be called Come and See. And so we're going to kick that off today, Come and See. So if you have a copy of God's Word, you want to get a head start, we're going to be in John, actually chapter 20 today, um, which is where we're going to be. But if you, want, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's one available for you in the back. And we would love to for you to have that as a, our gift to you. We love God's Word here. And we're going to see why today in a, in, a big, in a big way. I believe with all my heart, God's best is yet to come here at Harvest. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 118, 23, that this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And I, this, the story of Harvest has always been and always will be the story of God at work, and God writes awesome stories, amen? And he's continuing to write it, one person, one family at a time. And we're so thankful for all that he is doing. Now, we are on a mission, right? And mission mean, literally means movement. You can't live on a mission and stay stagnant. You can't stand still. And movements are made up of moments, okay? And so each movement has moments, and each moment is meant to be memorialized. And we are passionate about God's word. We're passionate about God's mission. You know what else we love to do here at Harvest? We love to have fun, amen? We're a family. We love to laugh together, have some fun. So we're going to memorialize this moment in a very contemporary way right now. So I'm going to make some of you all uncomfortable. That's okay. This is not going to be the last time this morning that you might be a tad uncomfortable. So I want you to do this. We're going to take an uh, anniversary selfie, okay? So squeeze on in here and make sure that you can, well, you can't really see what I can see. Um, but I'll do the best we can, right? Praise God. In the town of these three, you are loved. One, two, three. You are loved. Amen. You are loved and you are sent for the glory of God. Praise God for that. And today is one of many things. I want to say today is about five things predominantly. Today is a day of celebration, friends. Celebrating all that God has done. And praise God for that. Amen. It's a day of declaration that this is all about Jesus, that this church is not about any person. I love you, but it's predominantly about Jesus Christ. And we are here to declare that he is the King of Kings, that he is the Lord of Lords, that he is sovereign, and that he reigns. Today is then a day, not just a celebration and declaration, but exaltation. 
Proper biblical exposition should always lead to Christ's exaltation. Proper biblical exposition should always lead to Christ's exaltation. So we're here to worship, not just here on Sunday morning, but through all of our lives. And as we exalt the name of Jesus, which means to lift him high above every other name, we are here today with expectation because when God shows up, things blow up in a good way for the Lord. And God is here today and he wants to work. And God is here every day. The Holy Spirit is with you. He wants to do things in you and through you, Ephesians 3, that you can't even imagine that literally are behind, beyond your comprehension. And as we go into the text today, we're gonna to see this as a gospel written, yes, to individuals, but also literally to collective as a church. God wants to work in each of us individually, in each nuclear family, but then also through harvest collectively as a family of families in ways that we can't even imagine. But we have expectation, amen? And we wanna hold that loosely and we wanna follow God wherever he leads, but we are expecting God to work because God is always at work, praise God. It might not be how we think or how we want, but we wanna submit, again, exaltation, come under, exalt Jesus over, and then we wanna follow, so we have that expectation. So today is a day of celebration, it's a day of declaration, it's a day of exaltation, it's a day of expectation, and fifth and finally, today is a day of invitation. It's an invitation. We're gonna read through the entire Gospel of John over the next 50 sermons, more or less, just under 50 messages. That we're gonna see that the theme of the Gospel of John is an invitation to come and see. That's the invitation. Come and see Jesus. Come and see who Jesus is. Come and allow your lives to be changed by the reality of the Gospel of God and the person of God. It's an invitation to each and every one of us. I don't know how you walked in here today, but the invitation here is for you. God is here and he wants to meet you and love you and he wants to transform you more into his image. He wants to save you. It's an invitation. The question is how will you respond? To the hurting and to the ones that are walking through hard, there is hope here in the name of Jesus. Come and, come and see. To those that are in relational difficulties, there is reconciliation available here, through the name of Jesus, come and, come and see. Through the ones held captive by your sin and your struggles and your strongholds, there is salvation here through the name of Jesus. Amen. Come and see. Come and see Jesus. So the question is not, is there an invitation? There is one for each and every one of us in, here, in this room and watching online. The question is, how will you respond? Will you accept it? and put your faith in it, or will you, will you reject it? Just like an invitation to a wedding, or an invitation to a party, or an invitation to anything, will you choose to accept it, or reject it? And if you're like, I'm not sure yet, that is in the category of rejection. So the invitation is made available to you. The question for this morning, the question for this series, the question for every single day in your life is what say you? Here's a big idea, that only Jesus provides me true life because only Jesus is life. It's gonna be vibrant in the text. The whole gospel of John is oriented around this reality. My question for you this morning, friends, is do you have life? Do you have life? And when I say that, I'm not asking if you have a pulse. I'm asking, do you have peace? internally, that is not anchored in the circumstances that are ever changing, but is anchored in the character of God, which is unchanging, and the victory of Christ, which is reigning. Do you have peace? 
I'm not asking if you have a pulse. I'm asking if you have purpose. Are you living for what matters? Do you wake up with the clarity and intentionality on your identity and the priority that you are to live that day? If you don't have peace and you don't have purpose, I love you and I'm thankful for you and we all struggle on those things and it's available for you here today. The invitation is open to you. Come and see your source of peace. Come and see your source of purpose. His name is Jesus. He is our peace. So the invitation's available to you. The question is, what say you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you, you not only give us life, but you are life. And Jesus, in these next few moments that we have together, as we prepare our hearts to hear your word, as we prepare our hearts to journey over these next several months through the gospel of John, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a renewed affection for your name, that we would be filled with exaltation, that our lives would experience salvation if we have never truly experienced it. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would eliminate distractions right now and that you would speak clearly in us and through us for your glory because it's not about us. Jesus, it's all about you. And we are here to worship you and adore you and praise you and testify about you and grow in you and go for you because you are worthy and we love you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 20. John is the fourth gospel. It's, uh, John chapter 20 is near the end. And we're going to look at predominantly one verse. But we're going to read two of them right now. John 20, verses 30 and 31. We're going to anchor in 31. But to understand what, so what's happening in 31, let's read 30 as well. So John chapter 20, the gospel of John, written by the apostle John, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Verse 30, here we go. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Praise God, amen? Praise God. The Gospel of John is a unique from the other three Gospels. There are four Gospels, if you're not familiar with that. There are four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are known as the Synoptic Gospels because they share a lot of sequencing. They share a lot of the same stories. They share even a lot of the same wording. But God, John is unique from the three of them. John is written sometime after 70 AD, probably more close, likely closely to 90 or 95 AD by the apostle John. It was most likely written in Ephesus, most likely. We don't know for sure, but most likely. And it was most likely written to a church at Ephesus, to Jewish and Gentile early believers. So this gospel was actually written most likely to and for the early church. Isn't that awesome? Now, I don't know about you, but the people at Ephesus had it pretty good. If you look at the pastoral lineup that they had, they had Paul and Timothy, Titus, the apostle John. That's awesome. But John is writing his gospel to the church to point them back to Jesus. Now, John, if you're not familiar, or even if you are a refresher, it's important to know who John is because I think it really helps provide some background. John was a tradesman, a fisherman by trade, 
a blue collar, ordinary worker working in the family business called off the boat by Jesus, who he said, come follow me. Now John had a brother, his name was, anybody know? James. And John had a little personality or big personality? Little or big? Big. You know how we know that? Jesus nicknamed he and his brother James the sons of thunder. Now Jesus obviously wasn't afraid of big personalities because his inner three disciples were John, this John, James, and Peter, who had a big personality as well. Praise God for that. John was so loved by Jesus. Jesus didn't play favorites, but he did say that John was his beloved disciple. He did on the cross look at John and say, more or less, would you take care of my mother? He gave, he's like, mom, Mary, I give you John. John, I give you Mary. Like basically saying, John, take care of my mom. He trusted John. He loved John. John was not perfect, because even as, a, as an adult, he had his mama step in and say, his mom's like, Jesus, my sons should sit on your right and your left. Even as a grown man, follower of Christ, he had their, their mom was stepping in in a way she shouldn't. He, he wrestled with different things. But the reality is, he gets you and me in this way. He's an ordinary blue-collar, family, business-working fisherman whose life was transformed when he met and encountered Jesus Christ. He was an ordinary guy who God used to do extraordinary things, and that same God wants to use you in similar extraordinary ways. You might not be a pastor. You, you might not write like John did or do the things he did, but God wants to change and transform your ordinary into his extraordinary to transform the world for Jesus Christ. That's the heart that we see in the gospel of John. He gets us because he is us. And his life was transformed by the same Savior that is offering life to us as well. Praise God. Do you know him? Are you following him? John was on a three-year journey with Jesus in person and then on a decades-long journey after Jesus to, to live for him. And Jesus is inviting you on that same journey to no longer make fishers of fish be fishers of fish or fishers of military or fishers of whatever you do for a vocation, but to be fishers of men. Discipleship, the journey of discipleship. The Gospel of John is unique in all of Scripture because it has a very clear purpose statement, which is why we're starting here in verse 31. Isn't it amazing? John literally says, in case you had any lack of clarity, he says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is a Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Friends, when you read scripture, may the so that's of scripture become the so what's of your life, as has been said before. So when you see so that in scripture, it's like application coming, application coming. What's the application? Believe. Follow. So my challenge to you is this. This is our theme verse for the year. I want to encourage you and challenge you to memorize it. It's one verse. Can you do that? Maybe. Why don't we start right now, okay? Let's start. If you, if you repeat something about seven times a day for seven days in a row, pretty much you'll have it memorized. It won't take you long to repeat one Bible verse. So let's repeat after me. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. 
That's one down. Six more times today. Six days in a row. You'll probably have it. Can we do this? So let's memorize it and then let's live it out so that every time we're preaching and every time you're reading through the Gospel of John, you go back to the whole point of this part of the text is to how we can have belief in Jesus Christ, that we can believe that Jesus is the Christ because everything is tethered to this purpose statement in the Gospel of John. Everything. John 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, all goes back to how is this helping prove the point that John is making here that Jesus is the Christ and that he is my pathway to life. You are being offered life today. This text, verse 31, has two invitations for us today from the text for your life, not just today, but for every day that I pray that you would live. The first one is this. These are invitations to life. Come and see that Jesus is life. That's the first invitation for all of us today. Come and see that Jesus is life. John writes this, but these are written so that who? What's the word after so that? You. Now remember, you here is individual, but it's also collective. He's writing to a group of believers gathered in Ephesus. So it has individual application and a collective application. Because here's the reality, I can't choose for you to believe. I wish I could. And you can't choose for me to believe. You personally must put your own individual faith in Jesus. But then it is to be lived out in biblical community. That's why membership is so important, right? That's why small groups are so important. That we are not meant to live and walk the Christian life alone. Individual decisions lived out together in biblical community. So that you might what? Might believe. What does believe mean? Well, it means to be persuaded of, to put your full trust and confidence in, to put your full weight in, not to go, I intellectually kind of think, to, but no, I'm going to go all in. Like all of you guys went all in on these chairs, right? You have this belief that when you sat down, the chair would hold you up. Did you even think about it? Probably not. But you believe that the chair could bear your weight. Can I tell you that Jesus can even bear your weight even more than that chair? Trust him in your finances. Trust him with your marriage. Trust him with your relationships, your future, your job, your past, your present. You can trust him. You can receive life. Now, what is life? Life is, yes, eternal life, salvation, but life is not just eternal, it's, it's earthly. Because Jesus, as we'll look at today and, and much more in depth throughout the journey, wants you to have eternal life, yes, but also earthly life that is abundant, John 10. Have it to the full. And if you're here today, I'm like, I don't feel like I have full life. I don't feel life abundantly. And yes, there is a spiritual warfare and wrestling matches, but it might be possible that you might not be sourcing your life in Jesus. Potentially. Because Jesus never wavers, even when circumstances do. Now, the word believe and the word life that are both in this text are primary words throughout the Gospel of John. The word believe appears about 85-ish times throughout the Gospel. The word life appears 47 times throughout the Gospel of John. And they are, they are connected. The nexus of belief in life is Jesus Christ and the cross. There's a direct connection of belief to life. Where do you need to believe today? Now, what is, what is John saying first about Jesus? That Jesus is life? Well, he says it right here, that Jesus is the Christ. Now, some people are like, Christ, that's a cool last name, right? No, Christ is not a last name. Christ is way more than a surname. It's salvation. 
It is a declaration that Jesus is the literal anointed one, the long expected one, the long awaited for one, the Messiah, the perfect sacrifice coming to save every human being through his perfect death on the cross. Because our sinful lives, our sin requires a perfect sacrifice. Any perfect people in the room? Well, I didn't think so. We should almost have a line that says, no perfect people welcome. None of us are perfect. We all are sinners, Romans 3.23. We all miss the mark. That's what that word means. So it required a perfect sacrifice. Jesus left a place he didn't have to live because he loves you that way. And he came to people that would despise and reject him to die so that we could have life. This is a declaration He's not just the Christ, he is also the son of God. When Jesus came to earth, he picked up humanity, but he never left any of his divinity behind. He was fully God, fully man the entire time. John is declaring the reality that Jesus is not just the Christ. Jesus is not just a teacher about God. He is a great teacher, right? He's not just a prophet who speaks for God. He does that, but he's so much more. He's saying, Jesus is God. He is God. He is a member of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit, who then now lives and dwells within us. This is a declaration of Jesus' divinity, and it was a necessity for him to save all humanity because he had to be God to live a perfect life in order to be able to be the perfect sacrifice that you and I needed to pay the price for our sins. Jesus is life. Now, throughout the, the Gospel of John, he, John presents three different proofs or of his purpose statement, if you would. He looks at Jesus' works. He looks at Jesus' walk. He looks at Jesus' words. Now, while John skillfully writes to prove and persuade that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Son of God, Jesus himself actually declares that he is life all throughout the Gospel of John. So when you look in the text in verse 31, it says these are written. You're like, what are these things that are written? Well, the entire gospel of John. So let's look at a couple of Jesus' declarations that are written about in the gospel of John that Jesus himself is declaring the reality of his divinity in his sovereignty and his sufficiency that he is life from his own mouth. The first is this. There are seven I am statements in John that Jesus says, I am fill in the blank. They are a direct connection back to Exodus chapter three where God says, Moses, who tells you, who should I say that send you? I am that I am. He's like, I am, I'm enough. I am God, I am Yahweh. I am life. Jesus' first one is this. I am the bread of life. So this was written that Jesus declared it so that we might believe that Jesus is life. All of these statements have life attached to them. Earthly life and more importantly, even an eternal life. I'm the bread of life, so that you will never be hungry again. Eat of me and be satisfied, he says. Where are you eating of this world seeking life that is unsatisfying to you today? Jesus is like, I know it's not satisfying because only I satisfy. The second one that we see in the Gospel of John is this. I am the light of the world. Light is a common theme as well. Light and life often connect to each other throughout the Gospel of John. And the beauty of the reality of Jesus is that his eternal life, yes, we live in a dark world, don't we? We're going to see next week from John chapter 1 that there is no amount of darkness that can stop the penetration of God's light through Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. 
The gospel always penetrates the darkness. I don't care how dark it gets outside. Jesus' light is greater, and it's life. And then he continues. He says, I am the life. I am the door. And then the third one, sorry. I am the door. He says two of them back to back in John 10, one of my favorite chapters. We'll look at that, obviously, when we get to John 10. We're going to go verse by verse. It's what we do. I am the door. He's talking about, in context, he's a shepherd. He says, I am the door. Whoever walks through it will have eternal life and find pasture. You want peace? Walk through Jesus, who is the eternal life. Walk through him. You won't just get eternal life, but you will get peace on earth and peace for eternity. This one took on a new purpose for me this year, speaking of how God built his church. And back in March, we were, we were going through Revelation, a sermon series we, where Jesus talks about himself being, uh, that there's a door as well to eternity. And we had a door on the stage and man, God saved someone's soul that day, which was powerful. And now right after the service, through tears, a guy came up to me, why'd you have to put a door on the stage? Because Jesus is life. And that open invitation of life is available to every single person in this room right here, right now. He is life. He is the door. Will you walk through it today? Jesus then continues and he, he says, in that John 10 text, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I care for you. I know you. I feed you. I lead you. I protect you. I guide you. I love you. And by the way, no one takes my life from me. I choose to lay it down so that I can spend eternity with you. In between John 9 and John 11, is this beautiful verse that Jesus declares between these two I am statements where he goes, John 10, 10, I have come so that you might have life and life to the full or life abundantly depending on your translation. Praise God for that, amen. Jesus is life. And then he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the life. Jesus himself declares that. He then continues in John 14 to say, I'm the way. This is right to the disciples, right before he goes to the, to the cross. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the true life. Is Jesus your life? Is he your pathway? And then finally, he says, I am the true vine in John 15 which is like, as you are being not just for your, he's not just life for your salvation, but he's life for your sanctification. Are you connected currently? Yes, I gave my life to the Lord recently. My question for you is great, but are you currently plugged into the vine? Are you plugged in and connected and living your life in his way that he is the life as you try to live your Christian faith? Because you can't do it apart from him. John 15 spells it out very clearly. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. But in me, connected to me, you will bear much fruit. So are you choosing Christian believer to connect yourself to the life? Well, how does that look like? Are you in the word? Are you choosing to make coming to church a priority? Are you choosing to invest in your small group a priority? And not just showing up, but opening your heart and investing in a huge way. Are you choosing to wave out the mission of God as a priority? Are you connected? Are you abiding? Are you resting in? Be before do. Are you finding your rest in Jesus? Many of us would say, I... I it's not a shock to many of you if you know me that I love athletics and I played basketball for a while and whatnot. There's a slogan that goes around the basketball community right now that says, hashtag ball is life, right? Well, what does that mean? It means that 
I, it's my purpose, it's my priority, I'll do whatever it takes, you know? And there was a TV show that had football in his life, right? You know, maybe your life, it, what, if you had to fill in the blank right here that said blank is life, and that was the slogan of your life right now, what would it honestly be? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Is it family is life, military career is life, achievement is life, finances are life, my job is my life, or is it Jesus? if you're really honest. Because everything that is not Jesus will fail you and let you down. Because what happens when it goes away? And inevitably it will. What happens when your athletic career goes by the wayside due to an injury? What happens when your military career is over or stunted for whatever reason? What happens when college is over and you're, you know more GPAs to strive for? What happens when you finally get the corner office and you still don't have peace? What happens when you have the picture perfect family on the outside? but you're still a mess on the inside. It's not that those things are bad, but they are not meant to be your life. The, Jesus needs to be the hub, and everything else needs to be a spoke. What's the source of your life? Where do you need to come back to the reality that Jesus is life? To return to that, to reset that, refocus on that, realign your calendar, your finances, you're like, Jesus is life, okay. What if somebody actually looked at your calendar? Would your calendar align with that declaration? What if they looked at your finances? Would they align with Jesus' life? What if they looked at your priorities, how you spent your, t- your time, your energy, your effort? Would they align with what you're saying with your word that Jesus is life or not? Your life speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying, right? What does it mean that he is life? Is your life found through Christ? Have you put your faith in Christ as your salvation? Is your life in Christ right now? Are you abiding in him for your sanctification? Are you giving your life for Christ to live on his mission? All throughout John, we're gonna see that he goes where nobody else would go. He goes to towns and villages. He eats with sinners. He, he goes to those that other ones think are corrupt and defiled with the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we willing to do that? And in John 6, he gives a hard teaching. It literally says that, and people that called themselves disciples literally turned away and walked away from him. And he looked at Peter and the other 12 disciples. You'll see this on the text, and it goes this on the screen. John 6, 67 through 70, it says, So Jesus said to the 12, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? We have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Maybe Jesus has given you a hard teaching. These last several years have been hard, have they not? And maybe in those times you have chosen to walk away from the Lord because you thought something else was easier, more alluring. You gave way to the mirage of the world, that it would satisfy you. And you're here today, understand, and the reality is you're just empty. You're struggling. I want to give you an invitation to come home and to come back, whether it's to church or more importantly, to Christ. Because he, in him and only through him is life. God doesn't promise you an easy life. He promises you an abundant life. Peace that is not anchored in your circumstances, but is anchored in his character and his presence. He is life. And I can tell you, over eight plus years of this church, it is not always easy. So many stories, beautiful and heartbreaking, all interwoven together, but in and through it all is anchored God's faithfulness. And he's worthy and he's worth it. And I would encourage you with all my heart, come back to him. Where do you need to repent, reset, realign? 
commit to a church family. It's a, if you're not in a small group, commit to a small group. Commit to growing in the Lord together. Because only Jesus provides me true life because only Jesus is life. Come and see, friends, that Jesus is life. Come and see. Will you accept that or will you reject it? The second invitation for us today is this, that come and see that believing in Jesus gives us life. Jesus is life, and then he offers us life. That's the second part of verse 31, that by believing, you may have life in his name. And if you're right, who's that you there? Who's that you there? Well, look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. And by you, I mean John, not me. <laughs> you. You may have life, it's an open invitation. What have you done with this invitation? Belief is recognizing that Jesus is life and then turning to him, surrendering to him, put your full faith in him and then following him the rest of your days. Jesus is available and he's offering that to you. He's offering you eternal life and abundant life, a life of purpose and grace and hope and joy, a bigger life than you ever hoped or imagined, not in the way that you might think of as bigger, but in the way that God says is bigger and better and greater, a bigger vision of God, a greater vision of life, giving your life for what really matters, saying no to the good things and okay things so that you can say yes to God's greater things. Do you have life? You're like, I got life. I think the reality is this, right? You might be like, I have life, but so many of us show up to church, show up to our jobs, like it's a masquerade ball. Life is great. Look at my social media. Kids are all smiling, at least for that 30 seconds. Job is awesome. I just got promoted. But no amount of money can stop the messy. No promotion can earn you a salvation. No GPA or graduate degree can provide you deliverance but we show up and we want to present the best on the outside, but on, a mat, on the inside, we're a hot mess. Life is not presenting yourself as okay on the outside. That's not real life. Life is choosing to, in the mess, embrace God's mercy and to go, you know what? I'm done with playing the game. I am messy. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And he is my only help and hope. You know what? My family life, you know, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Like, we're all sinners living together. I have the money, but I don't, I don't have peace. I need help. I need Jesus. Where have you been living a masquerade? That today, Jesus is asking you to take the mask off. To be known and to know that he is life, that there's no amount of failure that his forgiveness won't cover, there's no sin that his grace hasn't covered. To turn to Jesus, to choose Jesus. And you might be like, your mind might be going through on many of these objections. In the Gospel of John, we're gonna see different encounters that might present on the surface very barriers to life, that might be familiar with you and I are saying today, or even thinking or feeling. And Jesus in everyone, when he encounters them, he offers grace and he gives hope. Maybe today, uh, here are some common barriers to our believing, routine or busyness, right? He showed up to John himself and, and the early disciples and he said, 
you're busy on the boats. He didn't literally say this, but he said, come follow me. And they had to make a choice. Their routine, their daily monotony, their busyness, or God's best. Corey Ten Boom says, if, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Anybody busy today? I don't have time for God because of X, Y, or Z. You're missing out on life because you're not anchoring your life in God. You're not putting the God rock in the first thing and then orienting everything else around that. You're putting everything else around and go, God doesn't fit. No wonder your life is a mess. Because you're trying to believe in yourself. Taking the mask off is putting down self-reliance and saying, I need my savior. Savior dependence. Maybe an objection or a barrier that you're experiencing today is, is not that, but it's religion. I have questions. I don't understand intellectually. I want you to meet my friend Nicodemus in John chapter three, who was the religious elite of the day, literally. He was a teacher of the teachers and he had questions. He was embarrassed, so he came by night so no one else would see. Bring your questions to Jesus and he will meet you and answer them and he will say, you need to be born again. I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but what? To save the world. And whoever chooses to believe, for God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Life is not found in religion. It's found in a relationship personally with Jesus Christ. No amount of religious information can save you. Only the heart transformation that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ can save you. And that is offered, and you are invited to experience it today. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Maybe your barrier is your shame, your past, your sin. John 4, we're going to meet a woman at the well. Life of sexual promiscuity. And Jesus in the middle of that offered her life abundantly. He met her in her shame. He met her in her sin. And he says, I want to offer you water that when you drink of it, you will never be thirsty again. And he is offering you that same salvation in the middle of your shame, in the middle of your sin today. And the come and see invitation, it has two aspects. One, it's for us, by Jesus to us. And then it's from Jesus through us to others. Because in John chapter four, that woman at the well, after she encountered Jesus, literally ran back to the entire village and go, come and see the one who knew everything about me and loved me anyway. Come and see the one who met me in my shame in a place he shouldn't have been, at a time he shouldn't have been there, talking to someone he shouldn't have talked to, but his love transformed my life and I want you to know him too. Come and see. And maybe your barrier today is this, grief and anger. You're gonna meet Jesus' best friends in John chapter 11, Mary and Martha. Lazarus died and Jesus shows up and they're like, Jesus, if only you were here, this wouldn't have happened. How could you, Jesus? Where were you, Jesus? And Jesus, does he scold them right away? No, he empathizes. He meets them where they are. And he says, in me, I am the resurrection and the life. But before, and then he cries and he weeps with Mary. And then he moved on to do what God wanted him to do so that others might be glorified. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Others were saved. The whole purpose for the pain was the glorification of God and the salvation of others. And if our purpose for the pain is our sanctification, God's glorification and other salvation, isn't it worth it? Come and see. But he met them right where they were. And maybe you're in grieving. Maybe you have an illness or a death in the family recently. And it's like, Jesus, where were you? 
Mary and Martha can relate to you. Come and see the goodness of God in the middle of our grief. Come and see that he is life, even when we experience death on earth. Come and see. Come and see. You got doubts? Come and see. Even in this chapter 20, a little bit earlier, like literally a couple of verses earlier, one of his guys, Thomas, is like, Jesus, I'm not really sure that's you. I, I missed the first arrival. I got to feel it for myself, right? And maybe that's you today. You got doubts. Like, I got to see it for myself. And Jesus, in his grace, goes, okay, feel, feel the holes. Okay, Thomas. He didn't pridefully go, look, or he didn't dismiss Thomas. He met Thomas. He did say after that, well, it took you physically seeing me how much I, I'm so excited for the people that just put their faith in me and trust me even without seeing bring your doubts to Jesus. He will still meet you with life. Come and see. And finally, in your failure and in your regrets, come and see that Jesus is life. We're going to meet Peter. Right before Jesus went to the cross, Peter's got, Jesus went to Peter and he said, look, in John chapter 18, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, I would never, ever, ever do that, right? How many of us are like, I would never sin that way? Jesus said, never abandon you that way. Jesus, no way, no way. And guess what happened? When, G, when it got crunch time, when the pressure got turned up, Peter failed Jesus, not once, not twice, but how many times? Three. Can you imagine the guilt? Can you imagine the regret? And Jesus looked at him and he loved him anyway. Jesus went to the cross the next day and he died for him anyway. And in John chapter 21, there's this beautiful, beautiful picture of Jesus restoring him, forgiving him, loving him, reinstating him. And that same forgiveness in the middle of your failure is available to you right now as you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Come and see. Come and see the one who knows it all and loves you in it all and died for you. You are loved. The invitation is offered to you. What's your response? Come and see Jesus as the eternal king, as a sovereign king. Come and see Jesus as the good shepherd who knows you and loves you. Come and see Jesus who is the abundant life. Would you close your eyes? this moment, where, what's your response to Jesus' invitation to come and see that he is life and to come and see, receive life through him? For you, maybe you need, God is asking you and working on your heart right now to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to choose faith, to choose to believe that you may believe that he is the Christ. you do that right now? It's a personal decision. I, your spouse can't save you. Your kids, your parents, your friends. Church can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Good works can't save you. Just say, God, I believe. Or God, help my unbelief. I want to believe. Or maybe for you, belief today is following, taking a next step of faith in your sanctification to choose to commit to follow Jesus wherever he leads, to come back to Jesus, to come back to prioritizing him, to come back to committing to his, his family, his church, his mission, his word, to make him the priority.
throw yourself in your failure and ask for forgiveness and receive it because that's what his word says will happen when we ask. To come in your guilt and receive the grace that you so desperately need. To come with your, sh- your shame and experience the salvation and deliverance. To come and finally find freedom. To lay down your self-sufficiency and choose savior dependency. To stop living your life pursuing the God of just a little bit more here on earth and to live your life and to choose today to serve the God who offers you eternal life and abundant life. What say you? As the Holy Spirit moves on your heart, we'd love to pray with you after the service however we can, because these are individual decisions to be lived out together in biblical community. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, so just come. Come find one of us and pray with us. Father, we love you, and we adore you, and we just thank you for this invitation from you to come and see. To come and see that your life. To come and believe that we can't actually have life for so long we might have bought into the lies of this world that we can't really experience life, that life is just too hard, that there is no hope. But today we're here to anchor in the reality that there is hope in the name of Jesus Christ, that there is forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ, that there is grace through the name of Jesus Christ, that there is life available to us through the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. You are the name that is above every other name. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we exalt your name and we praise your name. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for life. And thank you for you. Do the work in us and through us you want, and may you transform us right here, right now, for all of eternity. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.